Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Fourth Estate Podcast. I am a croaky-sounding Marty Duran. And I am Bob Smetana. And we hope we sound better other than my voice being bad because we are in a uh, we have a different setup this time, and it sounds a little bit cleaner on the headphones, don't you think? It, I think it sounds great. We're in like a funky podcast room. We're in a funky podcast room. So uh, this is pretty cool. And uh, thanks for joining us. It's been about a month, and we apologize for that. But, you know, life gets in the way, and when you have a lowly-rated uh, podcast. But I think we may jump after this one. What do you think? I think so, too. Uh, I did get some news. I think I passed it along to you that we picked up a uh, an actual subscriber who saw in the, uh, I guess, the copy on the blog or whatever, the phrase Wicked Awesome, uh, referring to the segment that we do. And he was like, I knew somebody on that podcast was from Boston, and it wasn't you because I'd talked to you before. <laughs> That's like, this is the Wicked Awesome section of our podcast. So, uh, so he recognized that because uh, he's also from that area and realized that you must have been from that area too. So he's from God's country. Um, I don't know which God you're talking about. That's where the pilgrims came to get freedom. <laughs> the, the the angry god who was going to hit they, you with a stick if you didn't they, if you fell asleep in church. The pilgrims landed at your house. <laughs> they landed not far from you're my old house. enough. Uh, okay, so we got three segments again: uh, the wicked awesome news you need to know, and uh, religion in the news, or the God beat, as Bob likes to call it. Uh, the wicked awesome starts off with Bob's second favorite subject after the New England Patriots. Uh, the Boston Red Sox. And who are in first place and who have hit, I think, five grand slams five in the grand. first is this, month. Is the same person doing it? or is it like- No, different people, but they, they hit none last year. They couldn't hit their way out of a paper bag. Oh, okay. So they're they're in first place. Uh, now, now they've lost three in a row, and they're still in first place. So it's very it's very pleasing. I'm a Red Sox fan. My mother, mother was a Red Sox fan. I'm sorry, My people. grandpa was I'm a sorry, Red Sox people. fan. And we're insufferable when we're winning. <laughs> Oh, is that not ever the truth? Uh, so are they? Do they have the best record in baseball? They or? have the best record in baseball. Wow! And well. even with losing three three in a row, they have uh, the best record in baseball. They're going to be very good. So how many in a row can they lose, and then they won't have the best record in baseball? Um, probably three or four more. Three or four more. Okay, so they better hit some more grand slams. And, and I am also happy that the Boston Celtics, who've lost two of their best players, are still in the playoffs and playing well with a bunch of young players. So well, they're still well. They weren't. They didn't get kicked out of the playoffs, did they? No, they're still in. So they and they lost their two stars. So next year, when their two stars back it's pretty much hand us the keys to the trophy right now hand us the okay i don't think the trophy has keys Bob. Right. it's pretty much going to be boston hand us the trophy yes Is that what you're trying trophy. to say pretty much it's going to be boston sports domination for another decade <laughs> you heard it here first folks the nba championship trophy has keys and you should give them to the celtics that's right okay so i just uh i just recently flew uh i wasn't on southwest but i flew southwest last year and I have to admit that every time I fly, I have this, I guess this is a ritual. You'd probably call it uh, a liturgy. Uh, but I have this liturgy that I go through when, when I'm flying <clears throat> every time. Uh, when, we, when we start taxiing, I pray. Uh, I pray for the plane. I pray, pray for the weather. I pray for the pilots. I pray about the physical laws of nature and what is supposed to happen when uh, the lift, you know, when the, the wing hits a certain speed and lift is supposed to happen and the power of the engines that overcomes the, the pull of gravity for X number of miles that we're flying or whatever. Uh, and then when we hit the ground, I always pray and thank God for a safe flight and help us to taxi to the terminal fine and not get landed on by another airplane. 
and I'm always aware when I'm sitting near a wing, which somehow, like almost every flight that I'm on, I'm right at a wing. I'm always thinking about the engine coming apart. Not like worrying, but just like, well, what would happen if the engine came apart or stopped flying or something like that? Well, that happened recently. I know it did, and it's pretty. It's a. It's an. It's a awesome and terrible story, isn't it? Uh, it is. One person died, and yeah. I, I didn't get, was it like shrapnel or whatever came through the window and hit well, her? I know is that somebody got like half sucked out the window. But I think they rescued that person. They might have, yeah. But somebody, I think somebody, somebody got Yeah, somebody died, and, and then several were injured, and I think they were all eventually um, dismissed from the hospital or whatever. So there was a sadness to it, but there was also a, a happy side to it. The pilot performed exemplary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you read a couple of things up on her, former Navy pilot, I understand. Yeah, and a Christian college graduate from oh. Midwestern Nazarene, I think. Okay. A Kansas Nazarene. Yeah. So, so I, the minute I saw that, I thought, oh, this is a Here we go. God beat. This is a God beat story. And apparently <laughs> she is a very, very uh, religious person. She has uh, led worship for kids. Wow. And, um, you know, she saw her driving, at, her flying as a ministry, apparently. Okay, so we're talking about Tammy Jo Schultz. That's yep. her name. Uh, was a, a Navy pilot, apparently a good one, uh, came out as a lot of military pilots do, went to work for a commercial airline uh, and was flying southwest. Uh, was it was destination somewhere in Ohio? I, I don't remember. Right I don't know. Hand. They landed in Philly, right? Possibly. Yes. So I don't know. I flew through Philly the other day. Yeah. So apparently she, uh, she apparently is a, uh, um, is a person who wanted uh, – People to know about her face. She saw it as a ministry, and she, cool. uh, you know, and so here's the evangelical that you love today, Tammy Jo Schultz. Who's, Tammy, that's right. Today's lovable evangelical who saved the day from people dying. <laughs> oh, just to go on the record, uh, I'm I'm glad when pagans save the day too. Um, I'm glad when anybody saved. Yeah, the day. I am. Do you know I was almost in a plane crash once? Were you piloting? No, but I was. Were you on, singing hippie Jesus music? No, in the I was. Back? I was sitting on the plane. I was on People's Express. I remember that. <laughs> Very low budget. It was the Southwest, it you was. know. It was Southwest uh, meets um, Survivor, I think, or Clamp, other Hunger Clamp Games. Airlines. So it was pretty terrible. And we were flying to Newark, which is their hub, and we're, I was going to see my parents uh, over spring break. Yeah. And uh, planes coming down, and we were probably like, you know, I don't know, 30 feet from the ground. And then we take off. You know, so we're landing, and then we yeah, go yeah. nose up, boom, like, and there's no sound. It's just like out of the blue, we're like, like we're taking off again. So did they explain what happened? Well, then a minute or two goes by, and nothing happens. This is your captain speaking. Sorry for that uh, abrupt uh, takeoff. There, uh, there was another plane on the runway in front oh, of us. Oh wow! And we were like, oh. So then uh, it, they went out of business very soon afterwards. Yeah, you think. Well, you know, the worst the worst uh, airline disaster in history involved uh, a plane landing on top of another plane. Yeah. So you had a landing. This was in Canary Islands. I was in high school. Uh, I heard this on the radio. Like 700 people died. I mean, it was a massive yeah. tragedy. But it was that same situation, a 747 taking off and a 747 landing on top of it. Um, so congratulations to Tammy Jo Schultz uh, for a uh, mostly safe landing. I guess, the, I guess the landing's safe. You have to yeah, say that. that. And I, it's interesting that uh, I think one interesting thing here is the church issued a statement about her faith, and she's a hero. But she's not doing any interviews. She's wow. not doing hmm. the press, right? I the think Sully, I the think Sully run, not doing the Sully no, run. No, which is that was you know they. This one is like people. Somebody died, and we're yeah. sad, and and we're 
We're not doing any interviews, yeah. which I think is pretty. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, that, that's a good. Uh, that's a good yeah. decision. All right. In the news, you need to know. Uh, you wrote a story that kind of recalls another story, or at least another event. So you wrote an event. I uh, wrote a story about a, a little girl named Pearl Joy Brown, and you wrote about the end of her life because you were you were there at an earlier point. Uh, am yeah, I, I was that there right? very, pretty early in her life. Okay, uh, so how did you come to even know about this little girl? Um, so my friend Nate Rao, who's another reporter of Tennessee, uh, said there was this family at his church that okay. he knew about, and they had a little disabled girl, and uh, maybe I wanted to check into it, mm-hmm. he said. Like and a human else, interest type of a story. Yeah, like a human time. interest kind yeah, of story. Yeah. And um, I met them. Uh, it's the sweetest folks. Uh, he's a photographer. She's a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Young couple. Uh, lived in a little tiny house in East Nashville. Mm. Um, just real sweet people. Their daughter, Pearl Joy, had a condition called alobar holoprosencephaly. I think that's how it's spread. Wow. It's a, basically her brain didn't... Um, when it was developing, it didn't divide into two lobes. Okay. So um, they, the doctors came and said, you know, she probably won't live very long. Mm-hmm. This is this is a uh, – it's not um, compatible with life is the way they mm-hmm. explain it. Mm-hmm. It's a severe disability. She probably – if she – she probably won't survive labor, and if she does, she won't live very long. Wow. So they suggested they induce labor, mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that would end the pregnancy, and they just felt um, – that wasn't appropriate. Uh, there are folks um, who come have a very high uh, view of God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So you know God that God made her this way, right. and so they were going to her disability her didn't disability. catch God by surprise. Didn't catch God by yeah, surprise, and yeah. so you know, I so part of me was interested in writing about that part of it, and part of it was um, you know how does a family make these decisions? Yeah. And there, there were sweet people, so we interviewed them after she was born. Um, Pearl is always on all kinds of medical mm-hmm. um, uh, equipment, so she wasn't supposed to live very long. Mm-hmm. So then a few months later, we did some video training at our office, and they're like, go find a story. They give you two hours. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm, I've been meaning to go check in and see how Pearl Joy is doing. Right. So you know, went over and uh, called and said, hey, are you guys around? And uh, Ruth was there with the kids. Uh, they have two other kids. Okay. And, so just shot some video of them, uh, and they talk about uh, B-roll, which is kind of background. Right, right. So I just put some B-roll of her breathing and looking up at her mom mm-hmm. and her mom there. And uh, just, you know, her mom, it's really interesting. Her mom was so grateful for all their family was taking care of them. Their friends were. They uh, they love their daughter. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to do the right thing. Um, but the sense of gratitude, like like God was watching. And their friends were watching out for them. They were yeah. carrying them along. So, um, you know, shoot this, cut it down to like a minute and a half, show it for these journalists, you know, all hardened journalists. They're all weeping. Yeah. Everybody's weeping. <laughs> and what was nice about it is this little, all she did was breathe. She yeah. just breathed and looked at her mom. And, you know, there's big philosophical questions about because they were in 10 care. So who's going to pay for this? And, mm-hmm. and what is the meaning of life? And, you know, all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But this was the what that captured was like, here's a mom and her daughter. This is the human moment that is very powerful, and besides her disabilities, that didn't diminish who Pearl Joy was or the power of that moment. And I think it's easy to get caught up in policy and theological debates and just forget the human factor. So, Mm -hmm. uh, And then she she passed away um, 
about a month ago. And, and, this, and how long does she live altogether? Five years. Just really? Five years. Okay. So she, she exceeded that. expectations. You know, um, it still was very, very difficult. And at the end, they she began to deteriorate. Like, mm-hmm. she did pretty well. Um, always need medical <laughs> assistance, but she did pretty well for a while. And then I saw Eric Brown a few months ago, and he was um, – they were just starting to think about, okay, we fought for her to live, mm-hmm. and now we have to let her go because she can't uh, – this condition was never um, – she didn't have a long-term outcome with this condition. Her right. body just couldn't survive long. And so they were in the process of saying, okay, we have to let her go, and how do mm-hmm. we do that, and how do we grieve that? And, um, you know, so they, they did. Um, the, her funeral was, was quite lovely. I saw it. I was out of town. Couldn't, um, but I saw a video of it later. Mm. But you know, this is the kind of thing. So um, early on in my career, there's a guy named Terry Anderson. Do you remember Terry Anderson? I remember the name. So his AP bureau chief in Beirut was um, yeah kidnapped. Yes, he wrote a book about it. He was freed. So one one day, I got to interview him. He spoke somewhere, and mm. he was talking about just the the her, her, heroic nature of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. It's because you'd be like, hey, how did you survive this? You survived. Uh, it was like a year, more than a year. He was in captivity. Right. And, and he's like, other people do these things all the time. Right. <laughs> they do very, you know, uh, very. So is um, Ordinary Heroism the name yeah. of your next book? <laughs> I'd like to write a book. Like, nobody would read it, though, because they want to be right. <laughs> ordinary Scandal. But it is. It's kind of an ordinary heroism to people. that They don't call themselves heroes. They're just doing their thing. They're yeah. trying to do the right thing. Even like that Tammy Joe, right? She's flying the plane. And, okay, this goes on. All right, we're going to try and do our job. Right take care of the people that have been trusted to us. Yeah. And so we, you know, celebrity is, is big these days. And I, I do my share of celebrities and scandals and all kinds of reporting. But like, these are the stories that if you want to know why like reporters get up in the morning, it's a story like Pearl Joy Brown. Yeah. It's not the latest who did what to who, when, I mean, that gets clicks, but it doesn't have much satisfaction. Yeah. So, all right. Well, from a feel good story, <laughs> To a really not feel-good story. Um, Bill Hobbles is the founding uh, and long-tenured pastor of Willow Creek Church outside of uh, Chicago in Barrington, Illinois. And, I mean, there, there's a, the founding and early, is a, it's a mythos uh, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the theater, the how they started there, the the classroom with Gilbert Belzecian, uh, the challenge of a you know a first century church in in modern times, you know what would God do, and uh, and the the rise of the uh, Willow Creek Summit, which has a global influence, mm-hmm. um, which he didn't directly lead, but I'm sure he had a significant uh, amount of input into, and was basically the star of every year. Yeah. He was the primary host. Uh, so things have not gone well of late, uh, for Bill, apparently owing to, uh, several years worth of behavior, several decades, worth several of decades worth of behavior. So, um, what in the world? It's a very sad story. It's a, it's a, and it's an important story because Willow Creek, um, like you said, it has this global leadership summit. It has set itself up as. And it's become, because people, uh, a model of mm-hmm. leadership, they have this kind of idea that if the leader is, is healthy, the church will be healthy. Mm-hmm. So it's a very leader-centric um, model church mm-hmm. 
they've done lots of great things. Um, they do a lot of evangelism. They have helped churches connect with people who are outside the faith mm-hmm. and come in. Um, but the um, there's a long, apparently, a long-standing habit of bills of seeking. So, so there's a whole Billy Graham rule, right? Yeah. Billy Graham was famous for never being alone with someone he wasn't related to. That was part of the rule. That was there part was like of the rule. Yeah, there's four rules. But that's there's one other, of it. That's the one of the ones that yes. people remember. That's well, the only one people remember. Remember, you know, they had things about money and lying <laughs> right, and all right. kinds of stuff. But Highball seemed to have this habit of trying to be alone with women all the time. Mm. Uh, people he was promoting uh, in leadership, and uh, uh, it often would um, end up with invitations to meet alone with him at his home Mm -hmm. or on his boat or at his hotel room. Sometimes he'd book a suite, they'd have a church, a meeting, and then he'd stay behind with someone. Right. And in a couple of cases that that I have talked to women about, it was at a conference, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, come for a jog with me, come to my room and watch your movies, now I'm rubbing your feet, Mm -hmm. you know. uh, Sounds like a very, um, but he he sought out intimacy, kind of coerced intimacies with the way one of the, the folks described it. Um, and the church became aware of it about four years ago. This is the, the hard part. About four years ago, uh, an allegation came up uh, that there had been an affair. Mm. And uh, it, it was with a friend of his family. And the woman told a friend of their family this had happened. Mm-hmm. And they got some help. And then when the, the, they, the they? this woman, um, her, her friend said, hey, I'll get you some help. Okay. So the second friend. Okay. Uh, then the second friend happened to be connected to the church leadership and said, we're going to have to tell someone about this. this right. For healthy for the church, good for right. you. And the woman who had made these allegations said, I can't. Mm-hmm. It will ruin my marriage. I don't want to ruin the church. If, you, if anyone ever asked me, I'll deny it. So she denied it. Uh, the church had a policy of, of pretty thorough investigations. If a staff member did this, they did a lot of work. And then confronted the person. Their initial investigation was, Bill, did you have an affair? No. Oh, look at There's a lot of emails between this person, like 1,100 in about two years between him and this person. But they're all deleted because Bill had a set up, unbeknownst to the church elders, a system for uh, any time, for no archiving of his being deleted. So Mm -hmm. the minute it left uh, his device, it left the server. So Mm -hmm. they had a lot of email chatter, but no one knows what was in it. And... uh, the woman wouldn't talk to them. So they said, well, that's that's it. Right. And I think the by this time, several other former church pastors there had found out about it because they, they, all the people involved were on in the same small group, basically, mm-hmm. early on in the church's thing. They said, wait, wait, no, 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 no. This is not a – there's something wrong here. We don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but there's something wrong. You're going to need to do a little more work. And so that led to four years of back and forth and – Along the way, more and more women started coming with these mm. stories. Um, of it's a lot of the Me Too stuff. There's this, of, is this predominantly people who had worked on staff at Willow uh, Creek? Mostly, but the last two I talked to, one was a woman he met at the Y, uh, who eventually joined the church, but he was uh, pursuing her at the Y, mm-hmm. and then one woman he met at a just a conference early on. Okay, um, and it goes back to the 1980s. Um, there are more to come. Mm. Um, I think it's very hard. The churches, the church's initial response, because they had done some work to find mm-hmm. the cities, couldn't find the people didn't want to participate them with them because they didn't think the church was going to take them seriously. Right. And then the church basically said everyone is lying. Yeah. They're all this group of people who used to be here are all colluding against our pastor. Yeah. 
and we have no questions about him. Well, so his, they, his, his initial public statement was about the weakest statement I have ever heard from any leader in memory. I, I mean, the idea that that the people who had left Willow, who some of them are as household names in, in evangelical circles as Bill Hobbles yes, is, yes. that all of these people had suddenly decided to collude, and that was what he claimed, they're colluding against me, telling these lies, that all of these people had suddenly decided to collude against him was beyond any realm of believability to me. Um, so when, so I was, I was withholding a little bit of judgment. I was like, surely this is some misunderstanding. This is, you know, a lack of wisdom on something, bad communication maybe. But when I, I was actually more convinced of his guilt after he uh, quote unquote apologized, you know, after he said whatever he said, his defense, I was like, oh no, (laughs) he, uh, this is not going to go well. Yeah, and it didn't. I think the church. Um, I think the church's initial response, which was to deny and say collusion. I think one, it sent the message to other women. Well, no one's going to believe you at this church. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think the church's leadership, at least the church elder board, was thinking that. Yeah, I think. Um, but that was hard. You, you said everyone is a liar. Yeah, everyone is lying, and uh, and then that and and it really, really broke in the Chicago Tribune. I I had been aware there was a story. For several years, uh, yeah, to, I was going to ask you. I couldn't remember if you wrote the first one or if there was one right before the, the Tribune, Tribune wrote the first. Out. So we yeah. had both been chasing the story because we knew there was something going on, uh, and then we found some more women. Um, you know, in, in the Trib story, and I've talked to this woman. You know, one woman's like, "He started kissing me." Mm-hmm. Said we could go off and be together. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the women say that he offered them jobs. So, um, yeah, I think there was a, ch- a sense to say. Well, maybe you misunderstood me. I put myself in bad situations, and and I mean, one was the publisher, the head of a former head of a major evangelical publisher, mm. who said, "No, you pursued us. Mm-hmm. This wasn't, uh, and it was out of norm with other behaviors from other big church pastors, and it was kind of this pursuit of intimacy." Mm. Um, that in the process of the publication of the book, yeah. So, 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 so one story is. Uh, the, the the publisher's husband, they were all at a conference. Okay. The publisher hosts the conference. The publisher's husband has a heart, has a heart attack. He's hospitalized for heart trouble mm. during the conference. He gets out, uh, but they're they're negotiating a book deal. Mm-hmm. So there's an ultimatum. Uh, I'm flying back on my plane. The church owned a plane, which Bill was mostly the person who flew on. Mm-hmm. You can come with me on my plane by just two of us, or you're going to lose the book. And She's like, well, can my husband come because he's there's enough seats? Can he's he, no, he has to find his own way home. So that kind of wow. thing. Uh, after she, she left the company, you know, he wanted to see her. Come over, you know, I'll, I'll meet you at your house. I'll bring some wine and wow. have dinner. Uh, you'd be more successful if you look sexier. Those kind of things mm-hmm. that were. Um, it's just it's a, a lot of inappropriate behavior, yeah. um, and I think it's a it's a. So it's a sign. It's hard to believe people that you think you know and you love that they could do something wrong. Yeah. And uh, well, for me, it's it's not really for me. Now, you know, I've been listening to Hobbles and going to the conferences, and I've been very much helped in the way that I think about you know organizational dynamics mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things for years now. And it's not it's not hard for me to believe that he was messed up. 
that he had some secret life of sin. That the thing that's always the hardest for me to believe is how people keep it covered up so mm-hmm. long. That's the thing that always throws me. How in the world do you throw a blanket on that for for you know thirty years yeah, I, or twenty five years or whatever? It's just beyond me. And then I think about a guy who nobody would ever know who pastored a church in South Georgia who had an affair with his secretary for like 25 or 30 years, and nobody oh, yeah. knew about it. Nobody in the church, his wife, her husband, if she was married, nobody knew about it. And then all of a sudden it broke, and he's out of the pastorate. You know, it's yeah. like, what happened? Well, they found out he'd been having an affair with the secretary for 25 yeah. years. That happened to a minister that I know. Uh, he had a counseling practice, and mm-hmm. so they were, he was sleeping with a new number of women in the church, and he called someone late at night trying to arrange for her to come over and see him mm-hmm. and he misdialed mm-hmm. so he dialed an older woman in the church and she's like pastor is that you <laughs> and that was the end of that but yeah, <laughs> yeah I sounds think, like um, i mean we trust we trust pastors so we want we give them benefit of out often yeah. not yeah. always but we do and i think i think the hard part of this story is given their leadership given their their focus on the health of the leadership mm-hmm. leader um when something came up a number of years ago, the speed in which they decided there was no problem right. um, became uh, an issue. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to an expert on clergy, um, basically deals, deals with trouble clergy, but he had a really good insight. He said the Willow Creek's DNA was about innovation. Mm-hmm. They were all – they were the people who made up their, new, you know, new systems, always around the cutting edge – uh, they were the people when a church needed some help came to them and mm-hmm. asked for help. They were not in the position of knowing how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he thinks that that kind of um, DNA of innovation uh, and pioneering hurt them because when they had a problem like this, which is oftentimes if you're in a denomination, yeah. there's a denominational board that deals with the pastor. In other cases, you call in some other clergy or there are other organizations that help um, do clergy investigations and discipline and care. Do you think this is going to? Uh, do you think this is going to make more denominations uh, and church networks open to hearing complaints and acting on them and getting third parties involved? I mean, Rachel Den Hollander's yeah, is that, oh yeah, is that right? Hollander, that yeah, right? I think so. Has been all over the need for independent yeah. investigation. So, if something happens in the UMC or the SBC or the PCUSA or whatever that you don't get together the denominational heads to do an investigation. Or if you're in a large church, you don't get the church leadership together yeah. to do an investigation. You call you call in an outside party, an outside arbiter, an outside investigator, and you have an independent investigation mm-hmm. so that nobody is swayed by allegiances. Yeah. Are we going to see more of that, or are we going to see some stonewalling yet to come oh, until everybody a, says— a mix. I think I think they're probably—you're probably, probably going to— this case may I would hope that it would make people think, okay, we could there are some experts mm-hmm. we could bring in who can come in and look at I mean, if you look at the case of uh, Andy Savage, mm-hmm. they brought in a f- some kind of firm that did this, and it, you know people were worried that it would end with him being uh, restored as pastor, mm-hmm. and it did not end that way, yeah, so I think um but Initially, initially it did, but it I think did. It, what did it take three months for them to come back yeah, and say? That, but that was it. they. They said we're going to hire an outside firm to, um, and and Will Creek did that, but they hired a uh, 
law firm that works for management to look mm. into this. And okay. so they, they instead of abuse. And yeah, abuse and yeah. then the um the report is private, it's been sealed. Mm-hmm. So there's not a transparency to it, I think. Yeah. There are some ways, even in a non denomination like a a couple of months ago, maybe a year ago, I did a story on this kind of thing. Maybe it's, it might be two years. Uh, and there's, there's a Center for Conflict Management at Lipscomb, which is a Church of Christ school. which is a, Right, near here. Yeah, which is near here, which yeah. is not a denomination, but it's a network of people. Sure. They have a center. They're like, here, here's what you do. Yeah. You, you get uh, uh, some people who aren't connected to your church but have, um, you know, the right credentials. You bring them in. They look at this, uh, and they can do it pretty quickly. Um, and I think you put the pastor on leave and you, um, you know, you may say, like, we're, we have some, some issues raised. You know, the person who did his best was Cardinal Bernardine in Chicago years ago, back in the 80s, maybe the early 90s. I'm not that old, Bob. Okay, yeah, you're old like me. So uh, <laughs> Cardinal Bernardine from Chicago, one of the most well-known uh, Catholic priests in the country, he um, he was accused of uh, molestation. Mm-hmm. And they put him on leave. And they told everyone there was an accusation. We we're going to investigate Fleury. Now it turned out this person, in that case, it wasn't true, mm-hmm. and he was cleared. But there was a transparent, open. This has come up. We think it's in the best interest of the church for him to step down. Yeah, be on leave, just t- temporary leave. And uh, you would do that. A lot of businesses do those kind of things, um, and then let people know we want to listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, what the Willow Creek message was is we think this is all lies. And anyone who had a – and they never said, we're worried about sexual harassment right. or, or misconduct and come forward and come talk to us. It was these people are all lying and colluding. Well, mm-hmm. who on the, God's green earth is going to come and say, um, yes, <laughs> I've got a concern. Put no, themselves at that kind, of, that risk. kind of risk. Yeah. Right? So I think that's the, the hard part to know um, how do you respond, how do you – um, how do you keep uh, – how do you be transparent and fair to the pastor too? Mm-hmm. Because if the pastor is um, not guilty, mm-hmm. then you want to make sure that they're not tainted. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the more – the tendency always in a church is to protect the pastor, to protect the leader because you know them. Right. So you or, need to have – Or you a, think you do. You think you do, yeah. yes. So um, – uh, the denomination I grew up in, my wife used to work for their board of ministry. They do care and discipline. All right. They would come in and they would say, okay. And often the, you know, at some point the um, the pastor is, um, you know, the church leaders were like, can't we just, can we just, um, and I don't know this from my wife. I know it from her boss who interviewing him. So my mm-hmm. wife did not betray any confidentiality. I mm-hmm. should say that. But, you know, they people would say, I, that didn't happen. And, and the board would be like, well, or can we keep the pastor? How can we minimize this harm? Yeah. And the um, the sad part about Heibel's is he he had actually done a sermon about this kind of he wrote a book. Yeah, he's got a book, but he's got a sermon about this particular behavior. It's like a workplace romance, basically. You meet someone and you spend a lot of time together, and they're better than your person, better than your spouse. Well, and turns then you out it's first person. You have meetings, and it it feels like a confession. Yeah. In retrospect, but at the end, he's like, okay, if that happens. This is the way you get restored. Mm-hmm. You break that off. You go to your spouse. You get help. God is patient and willing to forgive you right. and restore you if you so when only did he, ask. when did he preach that sermon? Oh, it's in the it's in the the eighties or nineties. Oh. It's an old sermon. Okay. It's an old sermon. But there's behavior like this going back that far. Right. You think he could not take the 
healing that he offered to others, mm-hmm. which is the sad part. I mean, no. Well, uh, well, yeah. at some point you have. I mean, there's just pride involved, and, yes. and there's the willingness to not seek that help. Yes. It, it's no longer. I don't feel like I can. It's yes. I'm not interested. Yes. You know, I can tell them, and, and if I tell them, they're going to think I'm doing it because yes. that's the way that it kind of works sometimes. You don't have to say, this is what I did. If you're the pastor, you can just preach the sermon. People assume that yes. you've already applied it, and so um, that kind of hypocrisy can go unchecked, yes, it can. which and is very, very sad. It's sad. It's, a, it's not the kind of story that anyone wants to do. But it's an important story. So you've already written how many articles on this? Three. And how many more to come? I don't know. Okay. Depends if more people come forward. And uh, it's my wife has forbidden me from saying a certain pastor's name. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and at some point, it's just uh, you don't want to pile on. It depends. I, I we'll, we'll see what the church does. Yeah. I mean, the, and if more people come forward, and will it, will. Um, but there's a kind of a reckoning that has to. I think a lot of churches will have to deal with this. Yeah. If this happens, how do you? Um, and there was another church that just popped up. Was it yesterday? One in Arizona where yeah, a yeah. longtime pastor has been accused now. And either now has Hobbles now officially stepped down? Has he, he stepped? He retired. He was retiring anyway. And right, and he's that. So he retired early. He retired. He's not on the involved with the global summit anymore. He's right. not involved with the Willow Creek Association. He said he was stepping down for a time of reflection, mm-hmm. and then wanted to come back as a church member. So. Uh, the Will Creek Association w- said, you know, he might be able to come back if he's gone. It depends if sure, they set up goals sure. and if he's made amends, if there's harm done. Yeah. Um, the church has said they're going to keep walking with him through this. I don't know. It's an unusual setup. Usually those kind of cases are not self-directed. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. This has been the Fourth State Podcast with Marty Duran and Bob Spontana. Uh, check us out on Twitter. There is, uh, I'm at Marty Duren, M-A-R-T-Y-D-U-R-E-N, and then there's at Bob Smetana, that's S-M-I-E-T-A-N-A. Uh, and then the podcast Twitter handle is at T4E Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe in your favorite podcatcher like iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher or something along those lines and listen at your convenience, uh, please stop by iTunes or somewhere and rate and recommend. Uh, That helps in search results. And uh, as always, we appreciate you listening. And uh, I apologize for not having any Hippie Jesus outro music, but Bob didn't provide me with anything. I'm going to write I'm, I'm gonna write some. I'm oh, that's right. You're going to write a whole song about the Fourth State Podcast. Fourth State Podcast. Yeah, but I might, just, I might just give you some of my Hippie Jesus music to, to start out with. To, I could play uh, some on my phone, my uh, thing right here. Okay, no, let's don't do that. Uh, until next time, this is Marty. This is Bob Smith. Okay.